I told folks in the first service, in 1959, I remember I was five years old, in 1959 we attended First Methodist Church in Paris, Texas. That's where we went to church. And when you get out of the car, when you get out of the car to walk into the church, you could smell fresh bread. There was a bakery next door to the church. So every time we went to church, I smelled fresh bread. So I still think about going to church every time I smell fresh bread, which is a good thing. It's a good thing, not a bad thing. And it's amazing to me the way throughout the Bible, but particularly Jesus was good at it, to use ordinary things to remind us about God's provision, God's grace, and God's love for us. It's really all around us all the time, but often we fail to recognize it. Our sermon text this morning comes from the sixth chapter of the Gospel according to John. And you all remember that now, now John was written, who knows, but, but most scholars think sometime around the 80s or the 90s. So let's just say for the sake of discussion, you know, 50 years after Jesus' death and resurrection. John doesn't mention the Lord's Supper in his gospel, but he has a whole lot to say about it. And I think, I think probably what had happened was his audiences knew about it. They were used to doing it. And really, much of what he wrote was an amplification on it, even though he didn't specifically call it writing about the Lord's Supper. John chapter 6, starting with verse 35. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. Everything that the Father gives me will come to me, and anyone who comes to me I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. This is indeed the will of my Father, that all who see the Son and believe in him may have eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day. Then the Jews began to complain about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They were saying, Is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know, how can he now say, I have come down from heaven? 
Jesus answered them, Do not complain among yourselves. No one can come to me unless drawn by the Father who sent me. And I will raise that person up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they shall all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except the one who is from God. He has seen the Father. Very truly I tell you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate manna in the wilderness, and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven, so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats of this bread will live forever, and the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. The word of the Lord for the people of the Lord. Please be in prayer with me and for me. Gracious and loving God, God who sent Jesus here, the bread of life, that we might live. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our strength and our salvation. Amen. Well, Jesus starts out here with a pretty outrageous claim, doesn't he? Like he, like he often does. Or maybe, maybe it's outrageous only if we don't understand it properly. He says, I am the bread of life. And anyone who believes in me will never get hungry and never be thirsty again. Wow. That's a pretty incredible statement, right? I don't think he's talking about physical hunger and thirst, is what I think. I think he, he's talking about spiritual hunger and thirst. And I think this is John's way of showing what Matthew showed in chapter 5, verse 6. And it's a verse I'm sure most of you are familiar with. Jesus said what? He said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled, right? For they will be filled. He's saying the same sort of thing. But Jesus packs a lot into those few words, doesn't he? Because, I mean, what does, it, what does it really mean to be hungry? Have any of you re really ever been hungry? I mean, really hungry, you know? Or, uh, I mean, sure, you know, a lot of times we say, Oh, I'm hungry, you know, and I've got a great appetite, and I want to go eat. And that's true. We get, you know, if, if most of us, if we go more than 30 or 40 minutes without food, we say we're hungry. So, uh, but most, most of us have never really known hunger or thirst for that matter, for that matter. But I think what Jesus was, the point Jesus was trying to get across was, if you're really hungry, and you're really thirsty for righteousness, and you'll get it. And when you get it, you won't hunger or thirst for that ever again. It'll be there. 
Paul put it another way. I mean, after all, we, we read in the scripture, what did Jesus come doing? He came preaching the kingdom of God, right? He came talking about the kingdom of God, that it might be known to everybody. Paul puts it this way over there in Romans chapter 14. He says, what? The kingdom of God is not food and drink. That's what we're talking about here, right? That's what Jesus is talking about. He says, I'm the bread of life. He said, the kingdom of God is not food and drink, but what? It's righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. That's the way Paul puts it. That's the way Paul puts it. So Jesus, when he talks about being the bread of life, he's not completely talking about physical food. Then he goes on to say, he says, I came down from heaven to do the will of God. To do the will of God. Not my will, but God's will. And he says, and again, while he's talking there, what happens? We get some detractors. Some people who said, you know, who does this guy think he is? We know his parents, right? And, uh, and of course, most of us have, most of us know people who know our parents too. So, you know, there you go. We're, uh, we're in the same boat. But what were they really doing? They were really saying because we know something about him, these other things he says can't be true. Now, don't we all do that? Don't we all have preconceived notions? In fact, I would go so far as to say a lot of us have preconceived notions as to what God's will is. And th these folks did too. These folks did too, and they started, the scripture tells us, they started grumbling or complaining. And of course, that's exactly what we do. When God's will starts kicking in instead of our will, a, a common response is to grumble, right? You don't have to agree, but, but I think if you think about it and you're honest about it, much of the, much of the time we spend grumbling is because uh, things aren't going our way, right? It doesn't necessarily have anything to do with God's way. And we let our knowledge and we let our preconceived notions get in the way. Jesus said, you know, the, your ancestors out there in the desert the Israelites, God sent manna down from heaven. Manna from heaven. And when you read that story about manna from heaven, that's another kind of bread from heaven. In Psalm 78, you know what it calls manna? Angel food. Right? It does. It calls it angel food. And there's another type of manna, right? A nice angel food cake. Yeah, we're good. We're good. But, uh, but the whole thing about manna, and about the bread of heaven and what God sends down. You know, God's bread that comes down to earth, the, 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 God of, the bread of God comes down from heaven so that, the, so that the world might have life. That's what it's all about. And that's what it's been about from the beginning, and it's what, and it's, what it's about all the way through. But so, y'all know the story. The, the, the Israelites had been redeemed from Egypt. They had crossed the Red Sea, and they were out in the desert, and they started grumbling, right? 
They said to Moses, why did you bring us out here into this stinking desert so that we could die? Right? That's, that's, that's what they said. And Moses said that wasn't the plan at all. You know, you've been, you've been redeemed. You've been, re you've been freed from slavery and bondage. And God provided manna. Now, the manna had multiple purposes. It had multiple purposes. But one of the things was, as Jesus alluded to when he was quoting Isaiah there, was that God was teaching the people. See, it wasn't just about what they ate. Because you all remember, the manna came down every morning, and the instructions were to get whatever you need, but don't take more than you need. If you took more than you need, needed, it rotted. Moreover, it, it wouldn't last. The manna had to come and be consumed for it to be any good. Except when? Except on Friday. On Friday, you could collect two days' worth because the next day was the Sabbath. So see, God was teaching the people, not only does God provide, but God's provision is tied with God's instruction, what God instructs us to do. And Jesus was doing the same thing, and Jesus did the same thing throughout his teaching. He said that the provision of God went along with the Word of God, right? Deuteronomy chapter 8, right, tells us, we don't live by bread alone, but by what? By every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And in John's gospel, of course, he starts out with Jesus being, in the beginning was the word, right? The word. But now by chapter 6, Jesus is identifying himself as the bread of life. The bread of life. That which gives life. Now, you know manna which Jesus is using the illustration there, the example of the Hebrews and the manna. Manna means, what is it? What is it? That's what manna means in Hebrew. Because they didn't know what it was. It came down and it was there every morning for them to collect and eat, but it wasn't like anything they had ever seen before. Now Jesus, in a lot of ways, when he calls himself the bread of life, and after all, he was born in Bethlehem, right? The bakery. Bethlehem means the house of bread. And that's where Jesus was born. There at the end of this passage, Jesus said, not only am I the bread of life, he said, I, he said what? He said, I am the living bread. The living bread. So what is that? What is living bread? I think Jesus gave us some other clues, and, and John recorded them throughout the rest of the gospel in the other I am sayings that Jesus spoke of. And, and we saw the first one, we saw the first one there in, 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 here in John chapter 6 when Jesus says, I am the bread of life. And we've gone down now, he says, I am the living bread. Remember what he said in John chapter 8? In John chapter 8, he said what? I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. So living bread also has something to do with the light of the world. And those, who, and, and those who walk in the light don't walk in darkness if they walk, and Jesus said there as well, in the light of life. Again, it's connected with life. 
It's about life. In John chapter 10, Jesus said, I am the door of the sheep. That's the way the sheep come in and go out and enjoy life. Moreover, he said, I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd does what? The good shepherd lays his life down for the sheep. Again, he's, he's not doing his will. He's doing God's will. And then there in John chapter 11, when Jesus is having his conversation there, he says what? He says, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. Again, he's talking about the life, which again, he's saying exactly what's being said here in chapter 6, that it's God's will that whoever is drawn to Jesus, and that faith that draws us to Jesus is not just a volitional uh, choice that we come up with. It's something that God gives us, and, and we are drawn to Jesus. So in John, in John chapter 11, John, Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life, and it's God's will that whoever comes to me, I'll raise up in the last day. And then in John chapter 14, Jesus says what? I am the way and the truth and the life. Again, modifying on what living bread really is. And then in John chapter 15, y'all all know how it starts out. What does Jesus say? He says, I am the true vine. I am the true vine. And in 15.5, he just says, I am the vine. And he says, if you abide in me and I abide in you, you will bear what? Much fruit. Much fruit. So when I think about the, the words of the institution of the Lord's Supper that Paul wrote there in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and it says there, whenever you eat, whenever you drink, do this in remembrance of me. I've got a question for us this morning. Do you think Jesus meant for us just to remember him and to remember to do God's will when we do what we refer to as celebrating the Lord's Supper? Or do you think he meant for us to consider those things every time we sit down and break bread? Mm -hmm.